Hey everybody, welcome back to the Thoughts and Found podcast. Adam here today along with Danielle. And today we're going to be talking about the weird and wonderful world of infant and toddler sleep as part of our ongoing series about uh, pregnancy and uh, the early days of parenting. Uh, Before we get started on this one, a quick disclaimer. Danielle and I are not sleep experts or doctors. We're simply talking about the experience with infant and toddler sleep that we've had thus far with our now 22-month-old daughter. My eye just started twitching (laughs) about this episode. (laughs) You just need another cup of coffee, that's all. (laughs) The expression sleeping like a baby uh, is probably like a an oxymoron or a very bad joke that's actually played at the expense of of new parents because uh, either we didn't see a whole lot of the peaceful sleeping like a baby or it's it's meant to be a bit of a joke that you know babies don't necessarily sleep a whole lot or peacefully when they do well it changes so much because what you have at the beginning is not what you have as it goes on i don't want to sleep like a baby (laughs) frankly (laughs) they are super disruptive it's just there's a lot going on in their brains so they are busy sleepers they're moving sleepers just as soon as you set a pattern the pattern changes and you don't see it coming so at least that was our experience we have had amazing sleep from our daughter but we've also had some really strange moments and some busy nights and a lot of ups and downs and just as soon as you get comfortable stuff changes so you wanted to mention a little bit at the beginning about the um, just the differences in sleep needs uh, and characteristics of between like infants and toddlers and adults. Mm-hmm. And we'll leave some links in the show notes to this because, again, as Adam said, we're not experts on this. We're not child psychologists. We're not, you know, sleep um, gurus. So we'll leave some links. But basically, adults require less sleep than infants and toddlers do. It's like an inverse relationship between age and sleep. So obviously, you know, a newborn, when you bring them home, they pretty much sleep most of the time unless they're up, you know, for little tiny wakeful periods and feeding. Um, And as they age, that window kind of increases. They're awake for longer and longer times. But I think applying an adult understanding of sleep to an infant and a toddler is probably going to set you up for disaster because you they don't follow the same patterns. They require more sleep. Um, there's so much going on in their brains. They're they're developing their bodies. They're teething. Their you know gastrointestinal system is developing. They come out pretty undercooked, I guess. <laughs> so, like, there's a lot of time that they need to get to the point where they have developed. Like their systems are still learning and growing and and being nurtured. And so that sleep is what. Is needed early on so um, yeah we'll leave some links there's really helpful charts out there that show at different ages and again those are guidelines too those aren't you know set in stone so um, just the charts of how age matches up with uh, sleep pattern requirements requirements and, and again yeah those are total averages because some kids need more and some kids need less just like adults some people can function on very few sleep few hours of sleep and some people need a lot more so we'll leave some links to that but um, it is different. I think that's the takeaway. It's different than an adult requires. So, And from the time she was born to basically the end of the first month of her life, our daughter did follow you know, the pretty normative pattern of 
feed every two to three hours and sleep in between. Yeah. And and she did that from the twenty get-go, from the very beginning. Much. And she did that twenty four hours a day. Yeah. So we had that for a full month. Uh, we were just up every two to three hours, twenty four hours, hours a day. She would do her her feed, do some changes, diaper changes. Maybe have a few more wakeful minutes, and then would gradually drift off to drift sleep off again. To sleep. And that's, yeah. from what we understand, that's pretty normal yeah. uh, for a a new infant. Yeah, so we and were, they're we still learning the difference between day and night. Like when you figure they've been in a dark environment in utero for nine months, they have no sense of. I mean, they can see light and shadows and things like that, but it's not to the same extent as when they're out in the real world. Out in the world, there's sunlight and then there's darkness, and that takes a long time to sort of understand that diurnal nocturnal pattern and that's one of the biggest struggles at the beginning is trying to get them on a schedule that again follows our pattern Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we try to like mold them into that daylight is wakeful and nighttime is sleep but their body drives like they have a hunger drive right and their their tummies are so little like their belly is really small stomach so they can only take little bits of food every feeding which means you feed Feed more more frequently frequently. so we can eat three square meals a day and our system kind of shuts down overnight we're not hungry but their bellies are so small that it's just a constant need for hunger so Mm -hmm. um very primal drive at that point yeah and she did follow that uh that that normative pattern originally um but then there was a month for a month (laughs) and then there was a very very sudden change about um for about six weeks old to ten weeks old for a full month there was a massive change that, that she went through and which meant that we went through. And that was when she basically started a witching hour. We call it a witching hour. Witching we had, evening. Witching evening I for need us. more coffee just thinking about <laughs> it. And it was almost two years ago. <laughs> it was two years ago. Her, her witching hour started almost when the clock struck 5 p.m. Not 4.59. No, 5, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. And went on until the clock struck 11, 11 p.m. Not 10.59. Not 11.01. It was exactly 11. It was like Cinderella. <laughs> it just turned into well, a creature. <laughs> and she, uh, when the clock struck five, she all of a sudden would start to like cry inconsolably wail. and wail. She wouldn't sleep or settle. We had to trade off. Danielle and I had to trade off uh, carrying her, bouncing her. We took turns Eating, eating, cleaning up, taking the, bathroom. taking the dog outside, doing laundry. We, in fact, we even rested her on the the washer the dryer, and dryer sometimes to try just to get to her get to the motion. Yeah, I held her by ticking clocks to just kind of. But a lot of that stuff, like the noise, couldn't even pierce through her crying. Like it was, cry- and she was not a crying type baby. No, she, she was, was very, very pleasant, chill, happy, joyful happy child baby. And this crying just kind of came out of nowhere. And it is the most piercing piercing gut-wrenching head rattling what can i do to make it better for you and, and stop make it stop but it was horrible it was, it was a really it was long so loud and just this really piercing i don't even know and, and we just couldn't get her to settle she wouldn't even really eat much during she wouldn't those even respond six hours no she didn't respond to even you know eye contact or soothing touch or mm-hmm. You know, you'd take some layers off because you thought she was too hot. Then you'd put it back on because she felt too cold. Like, is she being poked by her diaper? Like, what is happening? Are you starving? She wouldn't take the bottle. Like, she didn't take any food even during that time period. Like, you could, 
And you couldn't settle her no. with anything. And this was a pattern that it, it did. We realized it was a pattern after the, you know, two or three nights, days yeah. where we realized, okay, this is something, a new phase we've hit here where there's this six hour witching hour. Yeah. Well, and you kept notes. Like just, you, you still keep notes on a daily basis as a regular person. Just what did we do today? And you started noticing that it struck five and it started. And because we, we had no sense of time at that point still. It was early parenthood days. You kind of roll with the punches. Like when it's bright outside, you wake up. When it's dark, you go like. Or when, or when the baby cries, you wake up. And when yeah, you, it's not, you you're can all go back over to the sleep. place. You don't know what time of day it is, what yeah. day of the week it is, really what month it is. You're kind of just rolling with a lot of the punches in those early days. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't realize that it was like five until 11. It followed this beautiful little pattern. Which for turned, a couple of days or three days, it took, maybe took a few days to realize it. It did go on for about a month, um, and then at eleven o'clock every night, she would almost magically stop crying, you fall could asleep. Feed her. You could feed her, and, and she basically slept through the rest of the night until yeah. about five or six in the morning. So, so you and I were able to get some reasonable sleep after that. Yeah, but we just had to get through that that six hour window. And we were lucky that it was in the evening because we were home from whatever activities we'd been doing during the day. We were lucky enough to both be working from home at that point. Um, but if you were parents who that this was happening to in the middle of the oh my night, gosh. and then you had to be up and out the door again for commutes. That's your or sleep workout, time. Like, that's the only time you get to sleep. So, so hard. Yeah. we at least, I mean, we lost our evening time to do any sort of anything else, which is fine because it's early parenthood days. You kind of just, you're just doing what mm-hmm. it takes. But that was, that was amazing. And then it just stopped as soon as it, Started. Like as quickly as it started, it stopped. Yeah. So super weird. So we had a, a month there where we a, a six-hour witching hour every night from 5 p.m. to 11 yeah. p.m. And then it just all, that whole witching hour went away. And we got to the point where we didn't make plans. Like we didn't even have a phone call to make. Like we just, because we, we knew this was coming. So we'd both like go to the bathroom, make sure dinner was easy to prep and easy to eat. And the dog had been let out and... You know, you've done everything you need to do for the evening because you're basically on call for those six hours of just complete 100% hands-on and passing her back and forth so that we could kind of get through that. And you knew that there was at least the end, like a light at the end of the tunnel, 11 o'clock. You just had to watch the clock kind of go around and around and around. We did listen, um, get to listen to some uh, some good music, though. We did. We, we did try bouncing her all kinds of different types of music. And, in fact, she did settle, uh, uh, like, a little bit. By settling, you know, there's still a lot of fussing and crying going on. But uh, You could hear the music a, at a big, least a, for a couple a, minutes. A big shout-out to, like, you know, the Eagles and Creedence Clearwater Revival and Toad the Wet Sprocket and who else did we listen to a lot? Bob Marley. Oh, Bob Marley, yeah. Crowded House. Dido. Dido. Yeah. We, we had a bunch of good albums. playing some of those songs to her now and see if she, yeah. see what she does if it's in there somewhere in, there. in her deep it's, recesses it, of her brain. And maybe if there was better music to listen to, I don't know. That just it worked for us at the time and, and uh, just to try to keep our own sanity as we tried yeah. to help our daughter regain her sanity. Well, and she was exhausted she after was that too because yeah. you could tell it, it wasn't something that she was like even in control of. It was a completely primal state and it was almost frightening seeing your child like that because you just you can't do anything mm-hmm. to help them well that's where it was important you just to remind keep them yourself safe yeah, yeah and keep yourself sane and you get to the point where you're kind of like i need to pass her over because nothing i'm doing is working mm-hmm. and it's that can be frustrating too because you're trying you're pulling out all the stops and all these things that you usually can apply during the day if they are having a little bit of a you know a crying fit nothing of, of that sort mm-hmm. worked it was just absolute not rage but like 
It was out of control. It was out of control. And we'd been told that, you know, witching hours can happen, but this was something else. It was was a surprise because, you know, books and descriptions don't often do that kind of experience justice. And I mean, no, you can read it on a page, and then when you live it, it's, it's a different, it's it's a different a, experience. And when it's your child too, I think it's totally different because you know that you're the only person in the world right now that they can rely on, mm-hmm. and then they need, and you feel like you're you're digging deep within yourself to pull out all of these helpful, magical <laughs> things you might mystically be able to make them feel better with, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work, and that can be super discouraging, and just. It's tiring it's and you're tiring, exhausted yeah, on top of it in early parenthood. So that was, yeah. that yeah, was a go. <laughs> a lot of that, the, those hard stages of, of new parenting, a lot of it is because of the newness. Yeah. The newness of everything. Like, like we, none of us, until you've already had a, a child or looked after a child, you, you, don't, you haven't done this before. No. There and you're isn't... with them 24-7. Like, I remember saying, oh, I've, you know, I've done a ton of work with kids, as have you, and at different ages and stages, but you're never living with a child that you're taking care of usually for 24 7 for that long of a period you know and they've been fed and changed and like given to you in this pristine state (laughs) and you kind of just keep them safe for a few hours but it's totally different when you are the only person in the world that they have at that moment and can rely on and they're pleading with you too like the the look in their eyes do something it does something to your soul when it's your own child and well that's when you had read that that quote of that statement that just it's floated around the internet and books and we found it really helpful that um this is not something they're trying to do to you they're not giving you a hard time they're having a hard hard time time. and we still talk about that so that is our touchstone of like we can do this we can get through this it's just a phase it will end Mm -hmm. and that that adage of like they're not giving you a hard time they're not it's not deliberate devil child like they're just they're having a rough go they're teething they're learning how to navigate the world as this tiny little underdeveloped human Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. tough that's tough stuff and i think you have to have that sense of understanding and compassion and we don't remember that as adults like we have no memory prior to what four or five so all of this stuff that happens in that chunk of time parents remember but the kids don't and it's not a cognitive effort to punish you as a parent or make you have a hard time. They're just dealing with a lot of stuff. So, and this little sidebar so, on that, you, when you you've mentioned teething, like sidebar, we, we think really think that, whole that the dentists it's an ongoing there, episode. <laughs> dentists and developmental psychologists really need to get together because our little mini theory we're working on here is that for a lot of the weird changes to sleep stages and behavior with children are oriented around what teeth they're getting at that point in time yeah. and teething is like a three-year it's yeah it's not something that just happens once or twice not, it's a three-year and process it's not finite like it's not like oh you get this tooth and so you're uncomfortable for two days and then another one pops through and like it's an ongoing really rolling experience so and we've noticed a lot of stuff so yeah. we'll, we'll save that little save nugget that little. for another episode <laughs> still teething yeah. But fortunately, you know, after about four weeks, yeah. that witch incurred, it, it disappeared as, as quickly as it as it arrived. And did and you mention that was weeks, for us, it was weeks six, six to, to ten. ten. Yeah. So she was born in the middle of July. That was like the end of August till the end of September. September. So it was pretty early on. We were still, new, and... you know, green and figuring out our footing. Um, and then to be thrown for that loop. But we made it through that. We figured, okay, that has to be like one of the ultimate experiences. It was a trial by fire. It was a test of our relationship too. Like it was hard. And even the poor dog, it was a good thing she was deaf. She was going deaf by that point. Honestly, because I think she would have gone crazy. Like 
Yeah. And we kept the windows closed so the neighbors couldn't hear her. Like it was just, mm-hmm. it was a lot. And it was funny because our daughter really liked being outside and that was always one of her touchstones for like calming down. And she still is an outdoor girl. Um, you can't take a child outside. And like that people in the summer are eating supper like <laughs> right beside you. Here's my baby. Oh, okay. Enjoy your burger while my child wails in your face. Like, so we had to, and that would have probably helped her to go outside. And we t- tried taking her for walks sometimes too in her stroller because that was always something that she found relaxing and kind of calming. Didn't work this time. Mm-mm-mm. Didn't work this time. No. Yeah. So literally inside for six hours in a beautiful time of year, year too so that was tricky it was anyway tricky. it was a tricky time but then it went away just as okay. just as quickly as it as it arrived and then we had a that a last th- night i remember just being on eggshells and it's like 501 and nothing 502 happened. nothing 510 happened. nothing happened can we eat dinner oh my gosh and she's up and she's like watching us and smiling and playing with her toys and babbling and who are you and then was, was, was hungry again and <laughs> ate and had her bottles and, and just was beautiful yeah and I went to bed again. It's like that was all just a dream. Yeah, it's really, really weird. Really horrible dream. <laughs> really horrible dream, but uh, but you know if you're if you're we made it through. Yeah, if you're if you're that. going to have kids or um, just, are in the middle of the throes ready. of the witching hour right now, hang in there. Yeah, there's light at the end of the light tunnel. At the end of that tunnel. <laughs> but and then it flipped. It, it flipped yeah. to another good phase. Um, so you know we we went from that the very consistent phase when she was very first born and we had there you know every two to three hours we're up blip we had a, a blip for a month and then then we had about three to four months of, of pretty good sleep where she'd go to bed reliably you know late evening yeah and we might be up two or three or even four times a night uh to do feedings but it was, she was pretty sleeping. much just a hunger thing yeah she was sleeping for longer stretches and yeah. we'd wake up when she was hungry and, and we would um, feed her and she would go, go right back, back to, to sleep. sleep so we knew that that was okay you're in for that and that's fine and and our daughter was formula fed so we would bottle prep and we'd have the bottles lined up in the fridge like as part of our shutting down the kitchen routine at night. We'd prep the bottles and keep them in the fridge and then we'd know, okay, one of us has to go down and like warm it up. And this was where it got tricky at that point because I had had a C-section and so my mobility was still pretty compromised at that point. The pain level was, you know, pretty high. You couldn't just get out of of bed and swim out really quickly. Lifting yourself up out of bed was enough you know, mm. you don't realize what muscles you're using for those mm. simple movements. And you still have to be careful picking her up. Oh, uh, yeah. Or I, I did a lot of that lifting and passing her too. And you still. would wake up. She slept on my side of the bed, and I would keep an Bas- eye on her in, in, a, in a bassinet. bassinet there. But um, I would say, you know, Adam, like, she's she's got to get up. But, but I can't do anything about it. And so it took me a few minutes longer than it normally would to raise my body up and, and swing my legs over. And by that point, when you've got a crying child, that feels like an eternity. So you were able to jump up like lightning and come over and get her. And and to that point, when there's a, a crying, hungry baby, uh, formula bottles or any kind of food feeding bottles really need to come with like a, a rapid opening equivalent of like a fighter pilot ejection yeah, seat you need to be able to get into get them food ready and get it into your child none of this fast. twisting and fumbling wow. with no foil there's no little tab that's big oh. enough and it's three in the morning and you're tired and you've got your brain's like jilted Clouded. by the screaming infant yeah. in your brain like it's just and i get that formula balls have to be kept well sealed up for, for health purposes but Man, there's got to be, be a better, a better way. way to be yeah. able to get into or those like things. puncture it or something. <laughs> Just <laughs> open it up. Make the noise stop. <laughs> yes, because that seems like an eternity. And then even warming it up, because we kept them in the fridge, warming it up 90 seconds in a warmer. And that's a fast warmer. We had a really mm-hmm. great warmer. 
90 seconds. Long time listening to a long, baby scream. Too long, too <laughs> long. So, but even to that point of the C-section, just going back to that, like the mobility issue, you would get her up and I would pick her up or I would meet you basically in the nursery because we had her change station set up in her room and she was sleeping in her bassinet in our room. And I would change her because we, at those early days, we were still changing her every time she woke up and we realized quickly, you didn't really need to do that. Like if it was just a wet diaper, obviously if it was a dirty diaper, we would change her. But we quickly started realizing, is this a necessary step? It was just kind of drawing it out and making her even angrier. Angrier. It's like you wake up hungry. The last thing you want to do is go in and get naked, (laughs) like cold and you're all nice and cozy and you know, you have to, the whole drawn out, drawn out diaper change and we were still pretty slow at it at that point right it's not it's early days we did realize like don't turn a big light on like keep a night light or a lamp or something really soft so it kind of keeps that sleep mode going but you'd go down and warm up the bottle and then come up and by the time all of that's done it's still like an hour that you're when you were also you're also changing her first before we fed her so that we also noticed when she was done feeding she was she to go would back go back to sleep, to sleep. Easily, i wouldn't have so. wanted to feed her and then wake her up and disrupt that nice food coma um to change her so we realized like you flip it around you change her first even if she's angry it, it will end when she's fed and it gives you the time to go down and and use get the, the warmer and get the bottle ready and i could you know change her and bring her back and then feed her um and then she'd pretty much go back to sleep but then it was like another hour or two because by the time you've been up for an hour it's like it shrinks the amount of sleep between, between the feedings when she was waking up so we got it down to a fine science and we started actually not prepping the bottles in the fridge we would just bring up the ready to feed formula bottles that could stay at room temperature and keep them on our dresser in our bedroom and some pre-prepped bottles the plastic bottles like the plastic, plastic bottles with the nipples yeah. all clean and ready to go just empty and so then we could just like rip the cap and pour it in and and plug her <laughs> so she was happy yeah. and then we could take and the we, leftover formula back down to the yeah fridge. but it's still a process and we debated getting like a bar fridge for our room and like for bringing the, the warmer formula. up because you're still going up and down the stairs and at that point it like wakes the dog up and then does she have to pee too like oh my gosh our, the whole house our, is up our, our room is like, like a, a zoo for a while it was an animal farm for a little while there yeah. but we knew it was coming and so you could have everything prepped and she was an evening sleeper so it was great so we could have like all of that stuff we had a little basket at the bottom of the stairs i remember and we would put like the formula bottles and like the little burp cloth all that stuff could go up with us and sort of like sat night, on the dresser we had a garbage kit. can yeah. yeah yeah nighttime survival kit and i think the dog was sleeping in our room at that point she but was. and again the de- she was the deafness deaf. was, was helping her but not. lights on and like the rigmarole of people moving she can smell you and you know and she was a wakeful we're speaking in past tense because we had to put our dog down in December, which is another whole episode we could talk about, about children and pets and putting dogs down. But um, she she would get disrupted and she was a lab. So she's high energy. If she thinks we're up for the day at 3 a.m., she's raring Ready to, to go. go. Like, let's get this party started. That's, That's the kind of dog she was. So we had to be really careful. Yeah, there are people dogs her. that want to be want to be around the activity. Yeah, that's like, going oh, on am I missing yeah. something? I, I want to party. So We tried to keep her as settled as possible. Settled and, and, yeah. and moving the lights. We didn't put the light on in our room. We'd put the light on in the baby's room. So it was at least mm-hmm. a little bit less disruptive for mm-hmm. the dog. Oh, all the things. All anyway. the things. We also discovered... Um, perhaps not as early as we would have liked, but for for other parents out there, keep your eye out for nighttime overnight diapers, oh, yeah. which are more absorbent than the average discovered. daytime diapers. 
they will absorb more and last longer. So unless you have like an actual dirty diaper, you've got to change. These are diapers that your your infant or toddler can likely get through a whole yeah. night on, which again minimizes the changing you have to and do the disruption. and the disruption with and it's that. Still clean, like it's not neglectful. To put no, because they're because they're they're yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have to remember too, like of course it's tricky because if you feed them, they're going to make a wet diaper. Like so, it's a tricky thing. You can't like not expect that to come out. Like as toddlers get older and you can kind of cut off liquids but that's different when they're a baby and they're liquid only consuming liquids whether it's breast milk or formula it's only liquid so that fluid has to go somewhere so you do of course have to keep checking like you know how wet the diaper is but um, but uh, but the overnight ones are fortunately more absorbent so you can get even more more sleep wake up cycles in before you have to change them yeah and a trick that we had learned actually from a family member too um was to multi-layer the bassinet the crib we eventually did that we still do it with her toddler bed um so that those nighttime and by multi-layer changes you yeah so there's like a protective pad like a, a mattress waterproof. protector waterproof mattress protector and then a, a sheet and then another mattress pad and a sheet so you're ripping off a set but it doesn't go through to the next layer and you're not fumbling through drawers at you know all hours of the night to try and make the bed or yeah, getting so- wet towels out of there or whatever it just makes like for a rapid fire yeah, so change if, so if there's you a rip leaker, a layer off and put it in yeah, the laundry basket yeah, if there's a leaker accident you've got some layers to work through before you have up. to make up a whole new bed again yeah exactly and i think we at one point had three and then we realized she wasn't really leaking through that many so we just had two we used it a few times so that was a helpful suggestion because and have sleepers like clean and ready to go because the laundry can also that's a whole episode. That's a whole episode. La- la- laundry wow. inventory management. Like, what's the laundry system with a, a child? But having making sure that you have that arsenal of clean clothes. Because mm-hmm. we had a diaper changing station on our main floor of our house, but we obviously slept upstairs. So I remember a couple times opening the drawer and there was nothing in the drawer because it was either hadn't been washed or it was still in the dryer or it was in the laundry basket in the kitchen or whatever. And you have to run downstairs to get a clean sleeper or a clean whatever so now every night Keep, i've been training got backup i've got wipes i've got diapers i've got sleepers we've got, got claws sleepers, we've, got... we've got waterproof pads we are ninja and ready to go like <laughs> up on the third level because you can't run down to the basement or the main floor even if i mean if you're by yourself too like what do you do with this crying naked baby you take mm-hmm. them downstairs to the dryer and hope they don't you know that just no <laughs> so the oh, pre-prep is key. Is key. It's key. We weren't um, we weren't using a baby monitor at this stage because no, she was still she was in, in the, the bassinet, in the bassinet right beside, beside you. Me. But so we could basically see and hear everything that um, a, a sleeping infant does in the middle of the night. And again, going back to sleeping like a baby, it's not accurate. This is the most bizarre active state stage. I have ever seen, and I remember that with the dog too when she was a puppy, like. She was a bit. She was a bit crazy in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. She was. Uh, she was a. They good, move all over the place. Make lots they make of noise. weird noises. Well, and a few times, like I mean, um, and again, this was our experience. Might not be the same for every parent, but I, I was surprised. I mean, some nights there was like if, if people are familiar with the movie The Exorcist with uh, Linda Blair playing you know Regan McNeil as the possessed girl in that movie. 
like there was exorcist level activity that yeah. was coming from our sweet innocent little baby like feral noises and she has no like, idea what she's doing she's sleeping like a baby like distorted <laughs> facial features her eyes were rolling or just staring like right, right through you like her body Open. would be jerking and and moving all over the place and rolling changing facial expressions that like literally would go through the entire gamut of human emotions within about 5 seconds yeah. she'd go from like a ragey expression to a smiling expression to a sad laughing, expression to laughing snoring and you know when you're when she, so sometimes she would just be like <laughs> she would be doing this while she was sleeping yeah. other times she'd be doing it when she um when she's awake um but it was almost like she wasn't even there no half and the you time. know it's like a neurological level at that yeah, point like their yeah. nerves are fusing yeah. and growing and multiplying and so it just, but it manifests on their, their face, face and I, their body, yeah. I'd never been around a sleeping like overnight infant. Right. No, no. And it's still fascinating at that point. You want to keep an eye on them. So it, you could find yourself staring at them for hours. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's, I mean, it's somewhat entertaining, but it's also it like, also really is dis- she okay? Like what is happening? Yeah, like, it, it is this be, normal? It could be very disconcerting. And yeah. sometimes it was like, um, she would get caught in 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 between layers of sleep. I don't yeah. know how how to she how to describe does. that. Like where she's not fully asleep, but she's not fully awake. Yeah, and, especially and we, with the eyes open thing. That was yeah. the weirdest thing because we didn't know is, is she, she awake, but awake? her pupils are just complete. Like she's not just there. You staring, can tell. Yeah, like she's vacant. staring right through you, yeah. even with the faint light that yeah. we had in our in our room at that point. Yeah. I mean, we've also bizarre. So we found with her that um, like we we've always stood a better chance of getting her back to sleep. If she's in that in-between layer, then having her come fully awake out of that in-between layer and then trying to get her all the way it's back to sleep doesn't, doesn't she stays work awake, for, for at her. At least for our daughter, she stays awake. She's not a rock her back to sleep, no. soothe her back to sleep. If she's, she fully woke up, she'd be up for the rest of the night almost. She's got two states, asleep and awake. And, awake. <laughs> and there's not, I mean, not there's layers in between, but there's not a lot of like, once you've reached that awake period we're up like she doesn't necessarily go back and at that point we were like when you start to wean off the overnight feeds too i got really nervous of like what are we going to do to get her back to sleep because she's not a rock back to sleep she's not a soothing kind of like calm you know rubber back any of that stuff almost served to wake her up more more, and we found that even now like she is either up and she'll get up for the day at Three, three in the morning four kind of like the dog was like it's uh-huh. maybe, know, maybe it's, a, it's an energy we give <laughs> off that wakes our dependence yeah up i don't know so but she's that, never she's never been a good go back to sleeper no child no she's a good go to sleeper yeah and she's a good she wakes up really happy no, no. just early yeah. <laughs> she's an early bird so. well and we'd also wanted to mention too that you know um, previous generations didn't have things like baby monitors. Well, they didn't. I mean, our parents had like audio monitors, audio monitor, right? Yeah. So back in but, the 80s when we were kids. Yeah. But well, it wasn't parents, common. No. And it wasn't as sort of like socially required as it mm-hmm. is now. Yeah. But video, certainly not. It wasn't like, there. That was not a thing. But when you also see this this behavior, like now that she's been on her own in her own room yeah. um, since after she was about six months old, when you see this stuff also happening through like an infrared baby monitor, like oh, it, it brings all, that brings a whole new level of, of, of weirdness to this. And yeah. so, you know, if there's any horror movie directors out there looking for, looking for footage for like a new version of a oh, paranormal activity, it gives film. me goosebumps. <laughs> Literally, I've, I'm sitting here. I've got goosebumps on my well, arm. There was, there's because her eyes they look like werewolves on the infrared, yeah. and maybe we just have a really crummy monitor. I don't know. Or, or, but a, it's or a baby that sleeps with bizarre. its eyes open a bunch of. But there was and we nights. don't have lights in her room, so oh. like she sleeps in the dark. 
But there so was it makes a, their eyes look really creepy. Like really glowy, yeah. And she still sleeps sometimes with her eyes open. And you're like, it's, it's weird. The first Ooh. the first time we looked through the monitor when she had made some noise and fussed, oh, fussed yeah. and then but then she stopped and we looked at the monitor, but she was staring, staring straight at the right monitor, at like right like right. It's like she knew the there was a camera, camera at there. like four months but, old. <laughs> but she was sound asleep. Yeah. Like she was breathing regularly. She was all settled down and quiet. And it so was the weirdest thing. I don't know. But it was it was it was weird, and she did, yeah. she did that at many times, yeah. and then would all of a sudden blink or keep staring or blink and just go close her eyes and yeah. carry on sleeping. It was really really yeah. odd. But previous generations they know, wouldn't have any wouldn't have known no, this no knowledge of this, and you don't hear because she was actually pretty quiet oh. at that point. But her eyes are like wide open. Yeah. Or like, she'd be okay? going through like she'd be a, again fluttering or jerking. Yeah, or... moving in really odd yeah. ways, or, and that or might weird... not get picked up with an audio only monitor, monitor like a walkie talkie yeah. might not yeah. so i mean the the sensitivity of the cameras has increased like yeah. they're they're magical things now they're pretty powerful yeah. so, so. so so great to have on one hand but uh, also you almost know too much <laughs> weird, weird and weird and disruptive Woo! on the other hand yeah it's intense yeah so so that was a, a three to four month phase of um, lots of this kind of interesting stuff. But predictable wake-ups, yeah. and we knew we could solve the wake-up. It was a yeah. feed me now. We fed her, and she went back to sleep. She woke up. We fed her. It was mm-hmm. We knew what was kind of what we were in for every night, so that was fine. It was good. It was just sleep-deprived, but that's kind of to be – it comes with the territory, so yeah. that was fine. And then, and then somehow shortly thereafter, we were we – were We somehow, won the lottery. We won the lottery. We were <laughs> blessed with a four-leaf clover or uh, – Horseshoe. Or horseshoe or something, because we had, uh, from what we understand, is a very unusual, unusually positive experience where we had fourteen months of virtually clockwork, like clockwork, full sleep nights, with the exception of, the, of, a, of a very occasional wake Less up. Less than I can count on my hand. Yeah, she would go to sleep at, at five p.m. every yep. night and would sleep right through until about five or six in the morning, and that went on from about January of 2020 until uh, March of 2021, just this past yeah. uh, this past March. And like, you know, it was amazing. Like, we, we literally were able to sleep through a full night for almost for a year with, with a child a that was not even a year Five old. Five o'clock? Like, that's amazing. I didn't even think that was right or not. Like, what are we doing? Is that okay? Like, are we, are we messing up somehow? Mm-hmm. And I remember telling you know friends and family and they were just like what like five o'clock that's kind of crazy i mean it meant that she was eating supper at four and having her bath at like four thirty. But, but, but she slept basically for 12 or 13 but she hours. was tired and she was yeah. ready like she, all the signals were there and she would we'd basically lay her down she'd say bye bye mama well, actually, bye in, daddy in fact her very first word was done done and she was referring to herself she said done done rubbing yeah. her eyes you know yeah. the whole bit like and happy almost, as a clam we'd put her on her back and she was and always she pushing us to, to go away at go. that point. Like, make mm-hmm. it dark for me, close my door, mm-hmm. I'm done. Like, I need mm-hmm. to go to sleep right now. Mm-hmm. And it was this drive. And she would put herself to sleep. That's another thing. She used to shake her head back. Going to sleep. Forth. I forgot about Going that. Going to sleep. So let's also mention, she was she only slept on her back at this point. Because she has hip dysplasia, our, our daughter, she needed to be in a, a leg brace for nine months. For nine life, months yeah. which which basically meant she could only sleep on her back. Yeah, which was Perhaps. what you do with a baby anyway until they roll over and they mm-hmm. can, they're strong mm-hmm. enough to pick themselves up. But, but her, her movement was significantly limited. Her movement limited was at, impaired at and still um, she... 
but putting herself to sleep yeah. when she was on her back, she would roll her head furiously yeah, from quite aggressively. side to side, shaking her head to, as a way of putting herself to yeah. sleep. And we've read about that, that it's actually fairly common. It makes them dizzy and the dizziness lulls them to sleep. It is the freakiest thing because you literally, you cannot move your head that fast or you will concuss yourself. Yes. It's crazy. Like it's like a roller coaster, but her head would go fully to the right, like her ears against the bed and then the other side and just back and forth like the whole time for a few minutes and then she'd be out. And so watching this either, like she'd start rolling her head by the time we were like getting out of the room too. Mm-hmm. Like we'd lay her down, hugs and kisses, night, night. She, she'd say done. And then door, she'd start this. As you're closing the door and she's like, like shaking your head back and forth. Yeah. Like you need a moment. <laughs> like I feel like I'm watching a private moment. <laughs> you need to be by yourself. And it felt so invasive. Like watching her put herself yeah. to sleep. But I was kind of in awe at this like a, skill she had. Yeah. To and put herself be, to sleep. She'd be out. And she'd be out by the time we got downstairs. Check the baby monitor. Plugged in the baby monitor and turned it on and she was out asleep. like a light. And we had like from five, like 24 hours, base, or sorry, 12, 12 hours. hours yeah. Like it was a miracle. Yeah. Now the flip side to that for us was that she also didn't nap a lot during no, the day. She, she, she was never been a big. pressure was like built up. It was built time. up. She was she's she, still not for a great that year. Yeah, she's never been a great nap. She's not now. Um, but for that year, it was basically she got the majority of her sleep at night. Yeah. And if we were lucky, she would nap during a, like a stroller walk. A stroller walk or a car, uh, car ride. ride. She needed the motion. And again, putting herself to sleep at five, that head shaking. Like she's she needs the, the motion, motion yeah. to put herself to sleep. She's not a still. Because as soon as you'd stop the stroller, she'd wake up. So we had to keep walking for naps and stuff. And it was great. We got exercise and got to be outside. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's a bit limiting. So anyway, so that was 14 months, which was a Amazing. miracle. And, and during that time. And just the most delightful, magical thing. Yeah, we were by all accounts. By all accounts, it's not yeah. that easy. Yeah, <laughs> but we were very fortunate to have a really good, solid uh, fourteen months. We got and used to it. We got used and to it. Bam! <laughs> it was over. <laughs> but but before that happened, we at least uh, the wonderful sleeping was very helpful because it actually allowed us um, to oh, yeah. deal with the early days of the COVID nineteen pandemic that settled in across the world. We've been fortunate to not get sick with that. But while the pandemic set in and all the changes uh, that have happened with that, uh, we also packed up our home in Ottawa and moved across the province of Ontario to Stratford. And so we were very fortunate to have good nights, predictable sleeps, nights, predictable for nights during packing this whole time. And sorting out all the stuff that goes along with the move. Because our days were packed with her. Like she literally. They were busy, busy days. She wasn't sleeping. She was not sleeping for longer than maybe half an hour for a 12 hour day. Like you can't get a lot done in and around that sort of activity and and her naps at home were very unsuccessful so we were kind of one of us would take her out on a stroller walk and the other one would be furiously backing or cleaning or doing whatever goes into moving house and mm-hmm. moving house that far like that was yeah. a big that was a big move so that was super helpful and we were well rested and not cranky <laughs> and we were that. able to move so that <laughs> yeah. was good should we take, we take a break let's take a break <laughs> okay and we'll come we'll back. Talk about uh, that. Bam! We'll, the big, the big change and uh, <laughs> big change. that happened, that happened again after that. So we'll uh, we'll be back with you again in just a few minutes. We are back, and um, we're going to start off with giving a little bit of context on two things: transitioning our daughter from her crib into her toddler bed, and also the sort of incremental 
short-term descent into sleep madness that we experienced uh, in March of 2021 when our daughter was 20 months old. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I guess around February, middle of February, um, we decided that it was time to transition our little girl from her crib to the toddler version of her bed. It transitioned, you know, you can have the mattress high, mattress low, and then you can take the rails off and keep just one side rail in the bottom um, on. And we decided, I mean, she was a little bit delayed in terms of like rolling over and pulling up. And at this point she was 19 months old. Um, she was strong enough to pull up on the, the side rails of the crib from the, the top level of the mattress. So we were like, okay, time to lower. Then we looked at the lowering and we realized, well, she can't actually roll to then stand up and hold onto the crib to allow us to pick her up and out of the crib. So leaning over her crib onto the bottom level of the mattress was just not something we felt like we could do <laughs> given her size and her um, weight. And so she's had a couple of these little things where she, she can roll over sometimes, but sometimes she can't. And it depends on like sleep modes and stuff. And I think a lot of it's related to her sleep dysplasia or hip dysplasia. Um, sleep dysplasia, that sounds like what, you, <laughs> what we're about to talk about. About to talk about. Anyway, so we decided to kind of skip the step of lowering the mattress and keeping the rails intact. We took the rails down and she responded marvelously to it. So this bed, like the toddler bed, if you're not familiar, is quite low to the ground. It's almost like a, like a futon, but with the head and the foot rails in place and then a sort of guardrail for... Um, the side, like half of the side, I guess. It's about six inches off the ground. Yeah, it's really low. And she was so excited because she was still crawling at that point. She wasn't walking yet. Um, So she could get herself in and out, which was like, wow, this is incredible. I feel so empowered because it was, there's a lot of that. Like they get to the stage where they want to do so many more things independently, but they're still a real baby. So it's a really tricky spot to be in. And I think mentally she wanted a little bit more freedom. So you know, we got her new sheets and like brought some stuffed animals and like this whole, yeah, we got her pillows. We got her a couple of little toddler pillows, like little tiny, they're like little, little tiny toddler pillows are really sweet. Anyway, we'll leave a link to the ones we got in the show notes. Um, so she had this big girl bed and she was thrilled and successfully stayed on routine and on point with her five o'clock sleeping for about six weeks. So middle of February till the end of March. And we thought we were in our glory because it made it easier for us not having to bend over and she didn't have to deal with standing up. She could get herself to sleep. And then she figured out we would do this around on your belly and then go down and through the opening of your bed so she could get off her bed at the same time. Um, without just rolling over. And without just rolling over off. and falling off. So she kind of maneuvered herself and figured out this little pathway and, and was really chuffed and happy happy of herself. And at the same time, so. the same set of skills was helpful because she was just starting to show some interest in going up and down stairs yeah. as well. So we could and use off, the same technique. On and off couches technique. and things like yeah. that. So around on your belly, rather than like rolling off the side of the couch, you have to like go from your bum to your belly and then guide yourself down. And so it became a real like, repetitious repetition. thing that was helpful for different circumstances so we thought we were golden <laughs> for six weeks so everything stayed on point and we've heard from all accounts like other people have struggled with the crib transition that can be a really disruptive thing because you know baby's happy in their crib and then all of a sudden they've got this big kid bed and like whoa this is a lot of changes all at once so we kind of introduced it to her also during the day and she was able to play on it during the day and like read some books and that kind of thing it wasn't just you know, we didn't spring it on her right at bedtime. 
that could probably be a little overwhelming. So she was super excited and we talked about, oh, we get to go to bed in your big girl bed and you know, you got your blankets and your pillows and she liked her little pillows with the chickens and the hens and count the eggs and all that stuff. Anyway, so that went really well. And then she started walking um, the end of March. March 31st, I think. So for context, she was 20 months old starting to walk. So again, quite delayed because of her hip dysplasia. Um, and there was a lot of changes going on for her right then. Like there's starting to, um, she was starting to walk. She was still getting teeth. She was going through a major. She's getting a lot of teeth. All of her molars and incisors, like the big ones that were quite painful. And she was starting, her vocabulary was exploding at that point. I mean, she was powering the food, the milk, everything. Like she was just going through a lot at that point. And all of a sudden, basically started hating the sleep. notion of going like to the bed. notion, the entire evening routine, and that's when everything went sideways. <laughs> so there, there were probably three nights, I guess, that we kind of started to wonder, okay, something's happening because a lot of times it's just a one-off. You just have a rough night going to bed. Like bedtime can just be a bit of a a circus. Um, but the first night, so we were upstairs. I remember getting her changed um, to go into the tub. And she started saying, like, no tub, no tub, open door, open door. And I'm like, lovey, the, the door's open. Like, we're okay. We're just, we're just getting ready for bed. Like, we do every night. We get our clothes off. We walk down the hall into the tub. And she started saying, no tub, no Moana. Moana is the, the bubble bath that we use, the Disney Moana bubble bath. <laughs> anyway, and... We were like, okay, this is weird. Like, this is something that you've loved your entire life. She's always been a bath kind of kid. And she's always been a great bedtime kid. No fuss. And so we kind of just ignored it. And we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's time for Moana. Let's go. And we kind of got her into the tub. And then when she was in the tub, she was fine. It was like that didn't even happen. And then getting her out of the tub was fine. And toweling her off and getting her ready for pajamas and, you know, lotion and stories and all that stuff. And we'd lay her down, and usually at that point we could say, okay, night-night, and this was what we alluded to before. She'd just wave and say, bye, done, and we'd close the door and leave, and we see her in the morning. And so we'd do that, and the second we laid her on her back, it was like a nightmare began. She just sat right up. She adamantly refused to be put on her back. So she would sit right up and start basically screaming, open door, open door, open door, downstairs, downstairs, downstairs. And we were like, what is this? What's like, happening here? Who are you? Like up until 10 seconds before, she was completely fine, fine with the routine. Everything was completely normal and what we'd done forever. And we both looked at each other like completely happening? caught off guard. Like, what do we do here? But of course, at that point, she can understand what you're saying. And she can tell that, oh my gosh, you don't know what to do with this. <laughs> so, uh, what and do a, we do? And a couple of nights, even before, or as we got into this phase, this all of this complaining about, you know, wanting to keep a door open, not wanting to go to a tub, it even started, like, moving itself earlier into the evening. Yeah, so the second night, she started talking about, she was in her high chair at supper, supper. and she started saying... Open door, open door, no stay upstairs. downstairs. Yeah. Like, I'm not going upstairs. No tubby, no Moana, no clothes off. Like, no nothing to do with anything 
post supper. Like she did not want to deal with the bedtime routine or, or leaving downstairs. And we're like, well, we, we come downstairs in the morning and we stay downstairs during the day. And then upstairs is for bed and, and night night. And we can come downstairs again tomorrow. And what can we think of to look forward to in the morning? So we started doing this concept of the boring cupboard, which we still do. So we have this cupboard in our dining room buffet that's kind of she was really interested in it when we first moved in and there's, there's no, nothing, there's nothing in, there. in it like there's an extra tray and a, a glass vase like it's not even like it's boring so we called it the boring cupboard and we're like oh let me like we just leave that alone it's the boring cupboard well she started i mean the second you call something boring it's like well that's the most interesting cupboard in the world so, so we started making it the most we interesting we started making thing it interesting and we started filling it with something almost like an elf on the shelf concept so like her little teddy bear would be in there eating a banana or wearing her sunglasses or her boots or her bathing suit or whatever. So the boring cupboard so became the, the most something fun Something to look thing. forward to in the morning, very much like an elf on the shelf. Like, oh, I wonder what elf's going to be up to in the morning. I wonder what is going to be in the boring cupboard. So we tried to find these little pieces of something that could compel her to go upstairs and have something to look forward to in the morning. We talked about what we're going to do the next day, what we're going to have for breakfast, who we're going to maybe see on the walk in an attempt to incentivize her to go upstairs. And there were some nights we had to literally like pick her up and take her upstairs. And usually she was running upstairs, like interested I mean, in getting crawl there. running, thought, yeah, but like she yeah. was interested in getting there. Couldn't wait to go upstairs and have her tub and get her pajamas on. We talked about picking out which pajamas. So this was the weirdest experience. And we literally were a little bit lost as to what to do. We looked it up and obviously like found out, you know, there's a, common sleep progression at that point so 20 months 22 months 24 months in and around that there's a lot going on too with just teething and then she was dealing with her movement stuff and her walking and we had transitioned her bed but that was like six weeks before so we we didn't really we didn't figure that was a problem was, like we did it incrementally it wasn't like we just you know put it all together and hoped for the best but but the very first night then when like all of a sudden it went really really badly she like you said before she she wouldn't lie down. Everything she, was a fight. Like putting was, pajamas on was a, was a fight. A bath was a fight. She started screaming and yelling in the bathtub. And yeah. we're like, well, you've got shampoo in your head. Yeah. So like, we have to rinse it out and then we'll cut it short. But like even her favorite toys were not like Doing holding her interest. Yeah. We got her like bath crayons because she loves to draw. So we thought, okay, this will be kind of fun and exciting. And then it's almost like, well, is it too much, too new, too soon? Like we were just kind of at our wits end of like, what is going to work? This is crazy. Cause she was a beautiful kid all day long. She is the happiest little soul. She's easy to take care of. And she's just gung ho and like cool with whatever you want her to do. So she this, really this, doesn't throw a fit or so this was a real change at night. Yeah. Like this was just, I don't know who you are. I don't really recognize you. And we hadn't developed the skills I think to even deal with like a tantrum because we hadn't had that. Like we knew, kind of we have a little bit of an arsenal of what to do and we know our daughter but this was a complete like left field experience well we'd leave her alone we'd put her down in her bed and she would immediately like, sit back up and like try to get out but it was almost like she would you know crawl run off her bed crawl run run across the floor and, and into the door she would even crawl right into the back of the like the bang her head door. on the door she can see like it's yeah. not pitch black and at this point it was starting to stay lighter and like she was still going to bed at five so it wasn't like it was dark in her room she had her blinds closed but she didn't need like a nightlight she she knew where the door was and she could see it mm-hmm. but it was like almost like a ragey like Get, animal let me, state let me out of here, like yeah. i'm a caged animal and i'm going to wanna... almost like not like purposefully run into the door, but like I can't stop myself and I inadvertently bang into the door. So she had this like bruise on her head the first night. And we're like, 
Holy crow, like, how are we going to stop this? Well, and that night we ended up just bringing her downstairs because she did that several times in a row. And we said, this this isn't right. She was getting all sweaty and like... Very angry. And we even noticed like the temperature in the room was Mm -hmm. going up. She was getting so, so upset. So we brought her downstairs. And the only way we were actually able to get her to sleep because she just did not want to lie down... So we sat with her on the couch, and um, well, the two of us end up sitting there most reading of the stories, night reading the stories to her, and she just wanted to sit up to her. beside us, and we kind of like lean her head onto to the, the side onto onto one of us or onto a pillow or something. But she just did not want to be lying on her back, which yeah. which again we think maybe has something to do with teething or something that well, was going the on, the pressure in your head or something. The next few days, she would nap fine because she was well, frankly, exhausted after that first night of not sleeping, but she would sleep in her stroller and she would sleep in the car seat. So she was mostly vertical. And then she was doing this on the the couch that one night between the two of us. Like, we stayed awake. It wasn't like we just all dozed off and she fell off the couch. Like, it was very careful. And we would take turns, like, napping and the other person was up. But that was the only way we could get her to sleep. And that was so strange because for the longest time, like, she only slept on her back. And that was because of her brace. And then even when she was out of her brace, she still continued to sleep only on her back. Like, not on her side, not on her belly, just on her back. And then all of a sudden, this, like, flipped switch. She didn't want to be on her back at all. She completely, even for diaper changes, she resisted being on her back. She wanted to, like, crawl off the dresser. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you're going to fall off the dresser. Like, what is happening? (laughs) Like, it was just this crazy experience of like it's fine one day and then it's completely like a 180 the next day and then where we were able to get what change to happen is um for several nights she was doing like like as soon as we would close the door and say good night she was off her bed crawling trying to get out of her bedroom so we did start to use the the nanny joe technique we call it from nanny joe is from the the show super, super nanny, nanny for anyone who's uh, watched that show where you know you you go back and you keep putting your child back into their bed and, and getting them to settle down but you, know, you shorten the intervals in between and gradually they'll go to sleep so we use that technique and i think that, we exceeded the amount of putbacks that her like worst show we had to do for se- several hours in a because row. they show you okay you go in for a few minutes and you say like it's time for bed lovey like here let's tuck you in and then you leave the next time there's less talking it's time for bed cover you up leave and then the next time and subsequent times you just don't say anything and you just put them back in bed but she was still like a raging animal so even trying to lift up a toddler who doesn't want to be lifted up like parents you know what we're talking about like they are animals at that point and flailing limbs and it's difficult and it's hard to like see your child in that state and and not be affected by that yourself and stay like calm and cool cool because they feed off any frustration they sense you having too and it's almost like in that state they're getting sweaty yeah yeah (laughs) well it's like they're they're entering like a pre-level of sleep where they're just not there themselves themselves anymore they're they're trying to get to sleep but they can't Uh, they're almost trying to run, like like yeah. fight or flee, fight fight or flee kind of thing. Yeah. But, so you sat outside her door for hours and trying we just to keep put her back, her back and we're in like, bed. This isn't like but then working. It, but then the next night it did. It did. She all of a sudden she would wake up, but she wouldn't get off her her, her bed. bed. She would stay there. And it was the funniest thing because she'd be on her back, like you'd, you'd get upset, and then she'd sit up. And then she'd fall asleep at some point, like when you went in and you'd put her back and she'd fall asleep because just sheer exhaustion. But when she all of a sudden would like sit up. It's like she rose from the dead. It was <laughs> the creepiest thing because we're watching on the monitor, maybe eating supper downstairs, cleaning up, whatever. 
and we keep checking on the monitor. Okay, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. Whoa, she's not fine. And she's sitting up and she's staring at the camera and like saying, open door, open door, open door. And like she levitated herself from mm-hmm. like her back all the way. Like this kid has abs. Like it's amazing mm-hmm. how she can just go from supine to completely standing. Like yeah. there's no warning. There's no rustling. There's no nothing. It's just you look back and she's sitting up. Like how did, how did that happen? And at the same time, it, 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 there's a lot that was happening at, at this point in time. She had, was also starting to switch from um, sleeping on her back. When we got her to go to sleep, she was flipping over and sleeping on her stomach. Well, you started so, putting her on her belly, or at least when she would crawl back from a sitting position, she almost like reached for her pillow and kind of ended up on her belly. Or on her side kind and of And she was happier, and she would actually fall asleep. But she'd so, still push up vertically from that position as well. Yeah, but we stopped kind of laying her down in bed on her back because we knew that was the trigger for her to get really upset and really disoriented, and the whole thing just kicked off. So we would let her crawl into bed, sit up, read her stories, and then we'd get her. You started this mantra of, like, head on pillow, blanket, blanket on, on eyes hand, closed, hand under, pillow. hand under pillow. It was almost like a guided meditation you were kind of running her through. And we heard her on the monitor a few nights in after this started and doing your little mantra. She would talk to herself and say it to herself. So it was going in and it was almost like she was guiding herself into sleep, mm-hmm. which was incredible. And it was working. And she still kind of says a few of those things. But she started sleeping on her belly and then all of a sudden started sleeping. And we were like, you've never slept on your belly. You've only ever slept on your back. But she would find herself flipped on her back, and that's when she would wake up. And Mm -hmm. even still, a few of those days during the day, like diaper changes were really tricky on her back. They're so... Going back to the teething thing, we think it was something that some sort of pressure was being built up in her head because of her teeth all arriving. She got a lot of teeth at that point point. like all at once and some of the big ones like the the really painful ones so i think there's a serious correlation between like the pressure of laying down and and just not being comfortable laying down whatsoever and she also stopped night didn't matter when she also stops um rolling and shaking her head from side to side that also kind of stopped at the same time so she didn't want to be in her back if she happened to find herself on her back going to bed she wouldn't shake her or roll she would sit up and at least and start to change positions or uh, which was again it was just a, a quick sudden big change yeah and i think you started setting up like a pillow and a blanket on the floor because we were going into a room so many times during the night every hour and it was hard to know because we live in an older home so we have like creaky doorknobs and creaky floors and so trying to get out when she's fallen back asleep because a lot of times you would just go in we'd see her sitting up on the monitor you'd go in you didn't even have to talk to her as soon as you came in she knew okay i can put my head back on my pillow and you heard her say head on pillow blanket on but it was like she couldn't get there by herself she needed like the presence the of presence else. of a coach even though you didn't say anything you didn't touch her you didn't do anything it was just that i need to know and she wasn't afraid of the dark or and waking up scared or anything nope. it was just she needed that presence of someone else to be able to enter that mode again but then another hour would go by and she'd sit up again and we tried letting her just kind of see if she could do it herself and like we mentioned with that other sleep phases she's been in, we found with her, the if you the faster you can get her back to sleep, the better. Yeah. Because if, otherwise she would get stuck in like this intermediary sleep zone where and she, she couldn't. the longer you let it go, the more awake she got. Yeah. Or she couldn't so she couldn't get back to sleep. She couldn't quite wake up. If she did wake up, she'd be up for the day. Yeah. Um, at like two in the morning. <laughs> or she'd really struggle in this sleep phase for a long time, which also then made it more difficult to get her back. Yeah. deeply asleep so it was it, we, it was like we see her sitting up we go in because that's just the cleanest 
most efficient way <laughs> to get her back to a sleeping state and us to a sleeping state because we were absolute zombies the first few days it was like we were back in like newborn phase but worse because it was every hour it wasn't even like every two hours it was just like we had no idea what day it was and her state of mind would vary every single time too she'd be like more or less ragey or with it or aware not even know you're there but like kind of know you're there Mm -hmm. and it's hard to see in the dark and it was just it was brutal so we so one of the other of us camped out beside her bed for for, you know off and on as needed Um, and then you couldn't get out because right where you lay is like the creakiest spot like she has probably the creakiest room in the house we should have thought we should have thought about that we didn't really think about that but now we know where the creeks are so we can kind of avoid them (laughs) but trying to get up when she's asleep and she never got into that really deep sleep like post midnight she would be in this like lighter sleep mode and so trying to stand up on the creeks and then trying to shut an old doorknob. Like, it's just, you're kind of crossing your fingers. We ended up waking her up. Thing. We ended up waking so her up a like, number of times. Stay in the room. <laughs> it was just easier to stay there and sometimes. And just one of us would just stay. And yeah. so we still have a blanket and a pillow just in that room on the floor, just in case one of us has to kind of camp out. So everybody gets some sleep. Because the first few nights, she was a cranky pants during the day, yeah. the next day. And then she had like a three hour nap because she was recovering from having slept upright, which is not probably the best, like most restful sleep, but at least it was working. And so we were all kind of really zombies for a few days. And then it turned into just us being zombies because she, she, was, no for, memory she was her She's normal like, oh, self hi. all day. Good morning. Which is also weird. You know, you think that when a child doesn't sleep that much at night, they'd be erect the next day, but it, but she must have been she getting some rest somehow because was like she was fine. The first two nights were bad and the first two days were really bad. But then it was like she didn't even know what she was up to all night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like had no recollection or no real physical effects of like sleep loss. We're like sitting here pounding the coffee. <laughs> like she was bags fine. are getting bigger under our eyes. <laughs> I see gray hairs. Like, and she's like, what are we doing next? <laughs> really, yeah, she was happy during the day. But we started to dread bedtime and that kind of like stunk because that was always something that was a really we didn't have to struggle with it was a very easy pleasant time yeah and she liked it everybody liked it it was a happy time so we started like as it got closer my heart started like race i'm sure she felt that and like fed off of that energy but it did get better and at the same time um her sort of supper time bed timing was was changing as well like it changed almost two hours uh at the same time so not only was she having this like disruptive sleep at night, but she was also having essentially two, one and a half to two hours less sleep yeah, per so day as stopped, well. She stopped going to bed at five. Like we were eating dinner at four, having bath at 4.30 and put down and she was asleep by five to one night we were just like, let's just see if she's even hungry. Cause well, she was, supper was, time was starting to become more of a play time than supper time. So we're like, is she just not hungry at four o'clock? Like, let's try and just ride it out and see if she because normally she would say when she was hungry she would say you know like bubble hands which is what we call like washing your hands before supper and boring cupboard so we knew okay you know that maybe you're hungry let's go and get you in your chair and she just the one night just kind of like didn't mention anything to do with supper and we asked her like are you hungry love should we go do bubble hands and boring cupboard and she's like no and she was content to play for like another hour so we're like oh no are we shooting ourselves in the foot and it's gonna all go south at the, in the high chair but she was fine and then she ate a fantastic supper and went up 
to bath and she was happy in the bath and she was happy being put down and we're like whoa it's like an hour later than we would normally be doing this and I think the next night we just kind of waited for another cue and we kept it on that same schedule so it was like a six o'clock bedtime instead of a five o'clock bedtime so we're eating at five instead of four and it kind of just naturally shifted which is more normative time for a child her age to be going to bed five o'clock is exceptionally early um, and now we're almost at a seven o'clock. And again, it just kind of was this rolling. And now she takes longer to eat supper. So she eats more. She eats more. She eats more of like an adult supper with us. And and she takes a bit longer because she's eating like more variety and that kind of thing. So um, now she's closer to a seven o'clock bedtime, which is a really more normal time to go to bed. And she's still waking up at five. So she's like lost two hours of sleep and isn't really still napping during the day. So I think she's just... She's one of these kids that just doesn't need as much sleep as some sleep. kids. Like, it's incredible. I don't know if I could deal with that lack of sleep. but Seems to work for her. We also discovered um, uh, through this whole phase in the last, over the last couple of months that um, for her, especially at bedtime, letting her have a little bit of time to cry actually seems to help reset her brain a little bit. So if we do her usual bedtime routine, um, we say goodnight after some stories, You'll Danielle will go to like leave the leave the room and say goodnight, but she's often wanted me to stay. You were or, the or one that to, was, was primarily helping. doing a lot of this like mantra nighttime. stuff in the nighttime and the in the middle of the night and camping yeah. out on the floor and. So she's wanted me to stay for. We a didn't bit. really want to mix it up too much because mm-hmm. it was working with you, and so I didn't want to introduce myself as like potentially just you know seeing a new person. Oh my gosh, it's time to wake up and play, and mm-hmm. so we kind of kept it consistent with you. Mm-hmm. So. And she, um, so she'd want me to stay for a few minutes, but then every time I'd go to leave, if she wasn't asleep yet, she would start crying. Or if she had just fallen asleep and heard me leaving, she would wake up and start Again, crying. Again, the creaky floor. <laughs> and, and, you know, this, what would also happen is sometimes she just wouldn't want to go to sleep. She would think that I was there and it was going to be, you know, playtime play or book time. Like or slumber or party. <laughs> And so it's too acrobatics in our bed. So then, so a couple times I said, "Well, I can't keep sitting here. Like we've got other things to do." So, so I left, and she'd cry for a few minutes, and you know, two to five minutes or something like that. And I went back, and when I went back in, all of a sudden she lay down and went to sleep. She like, didn't even say anything to you, and you just, didn't say anything to her. It's what just like happened the second there? You entered. It was yeah. we were back at like two o'clock in the morning. Of she sees your presence and she yeah. lays down, yeah. and it. You needed that presence of someone to just come back and come back, but and she'd stop crying the second you entered the room. So it wasn't like she was really that upset. It was like she needed to like let go of some tension, Mm -hmm. energy, whatever. Her mind was racing because she's like naming all the things she did that day, and her words are exploding. And it's like she needs to like get it all out. By Press crying. the restart button yeah. and the crying did that. seems to help her. I mean, and I know that's a really controversial thing. People are all about like, oh, don't let them cry it out. And we, we're not leaving her for like half an hour, an hour to just wail. It's like a two to five minute. Interval. And it's almost like a put on crying. It's like she needs it because the second you go in her room, she stops crying. Yeah. And that's where And you'd off, oftentimes also wait to go into her room until she kind of like caught her breath started and like settled down. Herself, yeah. Like she needed that and like you let it out like i mean even as an adult like sometimes it feels good to just cry like you get it out you know and like and that's it's not what, an every night thing no. but, but it's worked pretty consistently for the last couple few weeks now and it's helped get her get to sleep faster. you sitting there for 45 minutes watching her do her acrobatics she literally is like a monkey like she it's like she feels like she has to entertain you 
and like does like Cirque du Soleil stuff like in her bed like rotating counting her pillows counting the flowers on her wall looking out the window what's that noise outside like she's just her brain is on fire at that point even after stories and like she's calm but then it's like ramps back everything up ramps back up and her entire day comes flooding out of her mouth and so you'd sit there for like 45 minutes until she does this or you could sit there for like five minutes say okay daddy's gonna go and help mommy clean up the kitchen i'll be back in a few minutes that would trigger a a cry Cry. but it was literally like a four minute cry you'd go back in and she'd be be asleep in a couple within a couple minutes do you sit there for 45 minutes and watch her do this whole show or do you sit there for five minutes let her cry it out and then go back and she's out and she sleeps better on those nights too we find the more fussy like her bedtime the better she sleeps like it's kind of a weird weird when it's an easy put down we're like oh we're in trouble because she didn't get it out of her system (laughs) that's right otherwise if she cries for like four minutes she sleeps from seven until five in the morning with no interruptions and no like zombies sitting up in her bed anymore so yeah yeah a lot of this stuff we just found, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's just, talking about we're it just makes revisiting it all. My eye twitch is coming back. We, we just found a lot of this is just stuff you just kind of have to grow through as a parent. Like there's, there's not a lot you no. can, you could do all the time. So you have to, you know, deal with being tired. You have to deal with reminding yourself to be patient with, with yourself, with your spouse, with your child. Like yeah. this is all You're new all for, yeah, this and is I new think for the thing here. is too, at this point, like, She's not a four-month-old who's less aware of what's going on around her. Like, you and I used to be able to kind of, like, make eye contact or, like, little, like, whispers Whisper, of, even or, like, s- mouthing. Or what even just say do? say out loud, you know? what are we going to do now? Because she didn't really, I mean, maybe they understand on a level, but they, she is aware of what we're saying. She has impeccable hearing, and we can't, like, whisper over her anymore or talk around her head. She knows we're doing something. She whips her head around. Like, so there's this, I mean, that initial night of, like, is this like we didn't have a way to figure out in the moment what we were going to do without her being aware of us not knowing what we were going to do and it's still kind of like that like you can't talk over a 20 month old like they're kind of in tune with more stuff you kind of forget that so um she'll hear a word and be like oh are we doing this like she knows what you're talking about so it's hard to we had to kind of rehearse what we were going to do before we would even get to bedtime but because she's up most of the day we don't really get many minutes to like talk about what we're gonna strategize for bedtime so and we want to just like, be as consistent as possible between each other and what we're gonna we need like a locker room moment to like draw out our plays like on <laughs> what's the whiteboard what's gonna you know? happen like if you do this and i'll do like oh my goodness oh dear but um we also found we had to like reset a lot of our expectations about you know, the next, what you, day. the next day, what you can realistically get done that day, reprioritizing and just accepting that, you know, there's during this crazy time when we're, we're both so tired and there's a lot that's changing, you know, we might not be able to get a lot of stuff done. No. Uh, you might, you know, dishes might stay longer than normal. Laundry might not get done. The lawn you doesn't get cut. like one phone you know, call or stuff maybe just doesn't. Every Stuff done. You had always had a lot of expectations for your yeah. life and what you can do because uh, there's so much that changes so quickly. And we had friends actually um, before our daughter was born who had given us some some great advice, and they had said basically that you know with babies and toddlers, just as something becomes a routine, just as you're settling into a, a comfort zone, it everything is. just changes yeah. and it changes it's the same fast until it isn't. It's the same until it isn't. And, and I didn't understand what that meant because I was like, that's so vague. I don't I don't get it. But it is. That's like the best way to describe it. It's the same. 
And then all of a sudden it's not. It's just different. And And one night is just like, where did this come from? Who are you? What are we doing? What is happening? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And you just deal with it. And you know it's not going to last forever. These are phases that come and go over time. And you just kind of have to. It's it's, it's pretty tough. It's tough. And it's like you're back in like newborn land once you thought you'd kind of exited it. Like you feel like it's an uphill and like then it kind of like settles, but it doesn't. I feel like a lot of this stuff is like just sharp rises and falls and plateaus and rises and falls and plateaus and well and so much of it is stuff that we found people people don't tend to talk about i mean it's, it's hard right now with the, the covid pandemic yeah, going on like a, you, a lot of people can't see family or friends the same way as they might otherwise no. have or, or colleagues or uh play or, groups or like you can't have yeah you know friends over you're not going to little child and toddler play groups you're not going to library yeah. groups you so, can't do any so of first that of all, stuff. You, you can't talk about it and a lot of a lot of times i think um from what we've just observed when we have talked to people, there seems to be a common notion that a lot of people feel that they're failing. And so they don't want to talk about Nobody things. Nobody wants to admit if, that they, they don't know what they're could doing. could talk about it, yeah. And that's sad. And it, like, I guess it's embarrassment or people just, Fear this culture of feeling like you know, you, you should have should it all, know. you should know. This is the toughest job and there's no training for it. Like any other training... Any other job, you you probably get more training than you do for parenting. Like you kind of have to do it yourself. But even the books, it's not going to be the same for every child and every parent and every situation. And so, give yourself some grace, like, and maybe talk about it with other people. Like, because we've seen on our walks, you know, we're out at like eight o'clock in the morning cruising the streets of Stratford because, well, we've been up since four, so eight o'clock is like halfway through our day. <laughs> And, you know, people will comment like, oh, wow, you're up bright and early. Like, she was helping you with the garbage the other day at, what, six in the morning. Mm-hmm. We plopped her in the wagon. She wanted to go outside. She's got her pajamas on and a little fuzzy coat and her toque and her juice. And she's watching you do the garbage. And the neighbor across the street is like, what? You've got a toddler, like, helping you do the garbage at the crack of sunset sunrise? Like, what is going on? And we're like, oh, we've been up for two hours. Like, this is just the next thing on the agenda next thing to do and people see us walking at eight o'clock and they're like wow you're dressed and like hair combed and you know you've had breakfast and we're like well yeah we've been up for four hours so and then all of a sudden they will mention you know what my child did that too they weren't great sleepers or they were early birds or whatever and we had tough nights and everybody goes through it but it's like i think there's some sort of like you forget about it or your brain shuts it off or people just don't talk about it because it's like well that's just the way it is and maybe people don't want to talk about it because it is hard you know it is hard hard and it's hard to admit that you are struggling with something i mean that's that's common across conversation topics it's not something that you typically lead a conversation with nobody really wants to hear that much about other people's struggles too because we're all dealing with whatever we're dealing with nobody knows what goes on behind everyone else's doors but I think to normalize that conversation would be really helpful so that people do know whether you're dealing with it at the time or you know someone who's dealing with it or you're planning to become a parent or know somebody who's planning to become a parent. Like I think cracking the door on this stuff is is helpful even to just know that like just be prepared because you just don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. Don't sit pretty. That's mm-hmm, the thing. Mm-hmm. Like don't get comfortable and don't get arrogant about it because we were like comfortable and not arrogant but we knew we had it good but we were like okay well we'll ride this gravy train until 
stops and it stopped. It, stop. <laughs> like, it crashed. Well, and, you so. ma- and you mentioned um, an Instagram post by um, um, Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore. Yeah. So she was, it's really interesting when you, you think about Hollywood celebrities and their babies and like they bounce back and they look like they've got it all together. And I just thought it was really candid of her to admit that she had like a live-in doula for three months while she and her husband were trying to figure out like the, the newborn, the newborn phase. Yeah. She said like, we've never held babies. We've never bathed babies. We've never figured out sleep training and what to wear at night and how many feedings and how often and breastfeeding and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, duh, because mm-hmm. you're not trained on this. Like mm-hmm. you're an actor and her husband's a musician. And like, just like the rest of us, we're not, we don't go to school to be a parent. Like mm-hmm. that's a tough gig and there's no training. And so I just thought it was really nice that finally like a celebrity admits that they have help. We all know they probably have help because that's just their world. And she had to go to back to work, I think like a month after having her son. So you need that support. But yeah, this doula like lived with them day and night and has just recently stopped um, helping them out. But but we I took just, away from that, that you know, like the, you need a lot of, lot of, you a, need a, a lot of hands on deck when you're yeah. with young children. It's, it's a, it's a lot and of somebody work. who knows what they're doing and she's done it like that. I think she said this lady has like 20 years experience doing this and living and helping families. So, um, but just kudos to her cause we all know they have help, but nobody really admits to it. So I thought that was nice. So if there's any kind of like you know, takeaway messages that that we have, having just gone through some of this this weird sleep stuff we did, because this we, week she's all of a sudden sleeping. She's knock on wood. Knock on knock, every knock, piece knock of on, wood. You wood. Have. She's she's started to have um, she likes a, a, a one to two hour afternoon nap again, which is super helpful. And then she's been still takes the stroller though. She takes you have to, to get take her, to her around the block for five minutes. She just falls asleep. asleep. And we wheel her into the house. Yeah. But the last it's hot now, so yeah. we can't leave her outside on the. We could like leave her outside on the porch, and we would sit there and watch her and stuff. But it's been a little hot this week. It's been hot this week, so we've been lifting her up the stairs in her stroller and wheeling her into the house, and she stays asleep for like an hour and wakes up refreshed and hi. And then we have a good, uh, a reasonably good bedtime between six thirty and seven, and she's been sleeping basically three Eating till supper. five in the morning. So yeah. Knock on wood, we might be kind of exiting one phase. Sleeping on her back again, too. Yeah, yeah, from time to time. She's rolling around a bit She finds her pillows. Even the other night, I remember I heard her wake up, and she sat up, and we kind of just thought, okay, let's maybe just wait it out and see what she does. And I think you were in the washroom at that point. And the whole time, she just sat there, and we're like, oh, we're going to have to go in and, like, help her back. Because she hadn't done that in a few nights. And all of a sudden, by the time you got back from the bathroom, she had just laid herself down. And did it herself, and we're like, oh, is that a new? Oh my thing? goodness! She just put herself back to sleep. And it was like two sleep. in the morning, and I was like, oh, here we go, here we go, because we ne- we're never guaranteed after midnight what's going to happen. But knock on wood, this week has been really good. Yeah. So, but you're not alone if you're a parent that's going through uh, the young child phase. You're not alone. Lots of parents we suspect are, are going through lots of different sleep challenges like this. And you can't Which see I- that. Like people say, oh, you're not alone, and it's hard to like feel like that's reassuring sometimes because you can't see the other people in the dark in their house rocking their baby to sleep at three in the morning but you know there's billions of parents around the world billions of caregivers like all in this same thing together but because you can't see them you can't hear them you can't talk to them right now like it's it's tricky so you feel very you can feel very isolated and then you have not that many people you can talk to about it during the day or that are willing to talk about it or admit it and we found as soon as you crack that sort of subject people are 
they're willing to talk willing about to it, spill their, it, it, their it takes details. it takes someone making the lead it takes you making the first move to say that and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah we do uh, uh, we know all these people you know and, and everybody says okay. nobody talks about this that's, that's right. why we have the podcast <laughs> <laughs> Not to toot our own oh, horn, but it feels right. good to let it to out. Like, it feels it. good to talk about it. Yeah. And I think it feels good to listen to something that you can relate to and be like, wow, okay, I really am not the only person doing this. And it's right. the struggle is real for a lot of people. So, And by all accounts, like, this is not tough stuff. Like, there's a lot of people going through a lot of tough stuff. A lot this of worse stuff. This is not stuff. tough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want to come across as, like, moaning about our situation. No. I just think it's an interesting thing that people are dealing with that doesn't get a light shed on it. And I think it's just nice to kind of get it out there and normalize mm-hmm. that conversation. So if we can help with that at any in any way, yeah. um, drop us a comment. Like, <laughs> send us your story. Right. We want to let people know that they're not alone. So, um, And be patient with yourself, with your spouse or partner and your child, and, and try to remember that now, these are phases that that apparently do come and go with time, and you and just kind of have to And there'll be a blip on the radar. Like even them. we were talking the other day, you know, it seemed at the time like our daughter was in a brace for nine months. I mean, she'll be two in July, so she's twenty three months now. But nine months is like a significant time. But we struggle to remember even like what we did with her during some of those days. Like how did we do X Y Z and at the time we're like we're always going to remember this and this is going to be in like our emblazoned in our memories forever and it's like no it does fade it does fade and you kind of have to work together to like piece together the memories mm-hmm. i mean obviously you're dealing with sleep deprivation and well, other and that factors why but people don't talk about a lot of the sleep stuff is because they, they don't the remember does fade, or it all but, blurs you know. together and like honestly you know 40 years later do you really remember like a detail of what we were doing when we were 6 months old like i don't remember if you told me what were you doing on you know, a random Friday when she was seven months old, I couldn't, I couldn't pull that out of my brain of what was happening. So it all kind of does blend together. But at the time, like the days are long, but the years are short, right? So, and the phases are short overall. So just know it will end. (laughs) It will get back. What's next? What's next? Yeah, that's, we got to wait and see what happens next. But uh, I think, uh, but we seem we seem to be on the cusp of moving from one phase to another phase now. So yeah. uh, I am excited to see what happens next. Yeah. But in some, like the baby sleep world, is a wacky and wonderful world. It is a wacky and wonderful world. And again, we'll leave those links to sleep charts and a few other things that we a few mentioned other here. things yeah. that we mentioned the pillows. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for listening. We hope you found this uh, enjoyable or informative or uh, perhaps even just humorous at uh, at our expense. If you've uh, already been through this. We appreciate having you with us and uh, hope to have you back with us uh, for our next episode. Yeah. Have a great day wherever you are. Bye for now.